Poetry, Anxiety and Vulnerability. This is the Anxious Poets Podcast. Arriving in Magic Why do I always turn to the stone to try again for a king's sword when wizards way out in the wood set to take me into their service? Again and again I am snatched by flattery to step up and lead, be on the team, sit on the board, ignore the space that incubates. No more can I pass the gap that gates the path unnoticed. Stepping through towards mossy trees and fishes glimmer, novice to the green flame in the bud. Magic is the fierce acceptance of all that makes up this life's course, uttered bold in faith to the deep unsleeping witness of the dark. That unyielding and steady gaze lays bare the me I really am, and not the me I would have you see. Finding the dragon's shadow dancing vast on my small room's wall, and see how often I've pinned its tail on you. And as his scales form bright on my skin, I breathe deeply from his secret fire. An old skin sheds, no longer needed, a way of good belonging, now outdated. Letting go its grip, I find my orbit round a greater force. No more am I a hub for hubris to build a castle on, no longer a beggar for attention, but an owl-eyed hunter for the untamed space. The ring you place upon my finger is a vow to serve the magic in which, gladly, I now arrive. Knowing, too, it was always there, waiting quietly in the trees beyond, with the wizard that is the forest, and inside the shadow I now own, with the magic grace to me on loan. Arriving in magic. Why do I always turn to the stone, to try again for a king's sword, when wizards wait out in the wood, set to take me into their service. Again and again I am snatched by flattery to step up and lead, be on the team, sit on the board, ignore the space that incubates. No more can I pass the gap that gates the path unnoticed, stepping through towards mossy trees and fishes glimmer, novice to the green flame in the bud. Magic is the fierce acceptance of all that makes up this life's course, uttered bold in faith to the deep, unsleeping witness of the dark. That unyielding and steady gaze lays bare the me I really am, and not the me I would have you see. Finding the dragon's shadow dancing vast on my small room's wall, and see how often I've pinned its tail on you, and as his scales form bright 
on my skin. I breathe deeply from his secret fire. An old skin sheds no longer needed. A way of good belonging now outdated. Letting go its grip, I find my orbit round a greater force. No more am I a hub for hubris to build its castle on. No longer a beggar for attention, but an owl-eyed hunter for the untamed space. The ring you place upon my finger is a vow to serve the magic in which gladly I now arrive. Knowing, too, it was always there, waiting quietly in the trees beyond, with the wizard that is the forest, and inside the shadow I now own, with the magic graced to me on loan. I wrote this poem, Arriving in Magic, in the year 2011. I began it then. I was having a sabbatical, a six-month time off from all the work that I'd been doing, the men's work, the spiritual direction work, everything. Um, I didn't go away. I stayed at home. But a bit like now, in lockdown, I didn't go anywhere. And I didn't engage with anything except what was going on inside and around me and in my family. It was a really, um, well, it was a relief. I was going to say it was a really great time. It was just a relief. I was really tired. And I was really fortunate that I could afford just to take that gap. And I, and I did a few things. I went down to Larne, where Dylan Thomas came from, and I had a few days on the Gower coast on my own. I tried to walk the Cumbria way. I managed to get three days into it and develop the worst blisters I've ever had in my life and have to stop. And went and hired a car and drove around the Lake District and, interestingly, ended up spending the day in Grasmere where uh, William Wordsworth lived. So there was a kind of poetic pilgrimage going on inside me. And the reason that I'd stopped doing all the things I was doing was to see if I could concentrate more of my life on the vocation of writing and of poetry. I still hesitate to call myself a poet, but I try and write poetry. And I began to craft this piece in that time <clears throat> and interestingly, when I first wrote it, I wrote it slightly differently. It was based on the quote at the beginning of my collection called Arriving in Magic from Goethe. Now, arriving in magic, flying and finally insane for the light, you are the butterfly and you are gone. And so long as you haven't experienced this, to die and so to grow, you are only a troubled guest on the dark earth. You are only a troubled guest on the dark earth. What I didn't realise then was how much of a troubled guest on the dark earth I actually was. 
And I didn't really listen hard enough to what was going on in that sabbatical. I enjoyed the relief of not doing all the other work. But instead of putting it down and leaving it there, I came back out of the sabbatical thinking, yes, I want to write, but actually I don't want to stop doing all those other things either. So one of the crazy things that I did was decide to try and do all the spiritual direction I was doing with about 25 different people all in a week every month. So I'd have four or five sessions every day for four or five, six days, which was exhausting. And then try and scrape out some time in all the other things, running men's rites of passage and all of those kind of things to, um, to write. And I did manage to produce this book, Arriving in Magic, which has a lovely painting of me <laughs> um, on the front of it that my wife did, that kind of at the time was part of my obsession with the idea of being a magician. I have a kind of slight magician look in the picture. And I was really touched that my wife could see that in me and painted this portrait. And on the back, for my 50th birthday, she bought me a, a ring that I asked for, uh, which had a red ruby in the middle of it and kind of flame-like tendrils holding the, um, the ruby, which was a homage, if you like, to the ring that Gandalf in Lord of the Ring wears called Narya, the Ring of Fire. And I was cultivating, my, my hair was long. If I look at the picture on the back, I'm staring intently into the camera with this ring showing all black and white with the red ring. And I was culturing this, this view persona of myself as the wizard and the poet and the sage. But then, of course, as many of you know, in 2014, <laughs> all of the pressure that I was putting on myself caused a breakdown. It caused me to collapse. I was overwhelmed by the anxiety that I had been exiling from my life for many years in order to culture this persona of the wizard who was in control, calm, self-possessed, all of the things that I looked up to and wanted to be in and had seen in the people that had mentored me like Richard Rohr or Father May. Uh, I, I, I adopted that persona. But my unconscious drove a coach and horses through it and knocked me for six. And when I read the original version of this poem that's actually published in the book that I would much like to change and have changed, instead of saying, why do I always turn to the stone to try again for a king's sword when wizards wait out in the wood set to take me into their service? I wrote, why do I always turn to the stone to try again for a king's sword when wizards wait out in the wood set to make of me a master? And at the end, 
The ring you place upon my finger is a vow to grasp the magic in which gladly now I now arrive. Knowing it was too, it was always there, waiting quietly in the trees beyond, with the wizard that is the forest, and inside the dragon who is me, the magician I have come to be. I changed that in the light of my breakdown to with the wizard that is the forest and the shadow I now own with the magic grace to me on loan. I had a powerful experience in therapy of realising that I was jamming my fingers into the electric socket of the archetype of the magician. These in Jung's thinking, archetypes are these layers of human uh, force, human phenomenon that are layered in our psyche that are part of the collective unconscious. They're not part of our in just our individual makeup, but they are shared. They're our collective inheritance. And they're powerful forces which, once upon a time, we would have characterised as gods, like Hermes or Zeus. Um, in Arthurian times, characterised as Merlin or Arthur or Lancelot or Guinevere. They are deep tectonic forces that influence the human world and, and our human existence. And I had become deeply focused, partly because as a young man I was so exiled from my life by circumstances like the death of my father and my mother's breakdown. I was so upset with the world around me, I retreated into stories and the great story for me was Lord of the Rings and the great character in Lord of the Rings for me was Gandalf. He seemed to be everything that I wasn't. He seemed to be self-possessed, in control of his life. Uh, I actually think I misread that deeply um, and that somehow if I became like that, I would be above the dangers of the world and the things that could hurt you uh, and and I would become someone who everyone revolved around and wanted to be around um, and and I would find the fathering that I was searching for. So when I realised in therapy that this was what I was doing, I was in order to make up for the shortfall in my own character and my own sense of myself jamming my fingers into this plug socket of the archetype of the magician it was frying me it was deeply unhealthy and very dangerous and so i realized with a certain chagrin and and humiliation that i'd even written it in the headline poem of the book and, and so now this, this mini podcast is a way of um, reorientating 
myself and reorientating what I think we're doing in life. The sentiments of the poem haven't changed. Why do I always turn to the stone to try again for a king's sword? Very much in my life, I, I was either invited into or sought leadership positions. And it was because I wanted to make up some lack within me. It wasn't necessarily because I thought I might be good at it, which in fact I have been at times. It was much more about trying to ful fulfill a deep insecurity to, 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 to account for that insecurity. When wizards wait out in the wood set to take me into their service. The more I lived in the Rivlin Valley, the more I walked in the woods, the more I realised that whatever magic is in life, it's very much experienced in the natural world. And when I walked through the valley and heard the river and looked at the trees and heard all the animals uh, in the woods, I was bewitched by it. I was seduced by it and realised that somehow something out there wanted me to serve it. Again and again I'm snatched by flattery to step up and lead, beyond the team, sit on the board. Ignore the space that incubates. Now there was a line that I felt when I reworked the poem very comfortable about. That all my activity of, of, of becoming a leader in the men's work and doing organisation development and, and was if I wasn't careful, and I wasn't careful, drawing me away from the space that incubates. That place where you admit a lack, where you admit your limitation, where you don't know what to do. Uncertainty, unknowing. Which is really scary, but and really scared me what if I didn't do all these things? So when I did the sabbatical, it suddenly dawned on me, well, what if I don't do all these things? Who am I? And I really shied away from that in 2011 until in 2014, my unconscious, the deep soul of me said, you're going to experience this whether you like it or not. And, and this anxiety rose up in me and I couldn't do any of it. I had to admit I could not do it. I had to cancel events. I had to stop doing spiritual direction. I had nothing. And then I was in the space that incubates. No more, I said then, can I pass the gap that gates the path unnoticed? Well, actually I could. And it's very easy to do. It's really easy to do, to ignore the path unnoticed. Because... It, it, it's actually drawing from a line in um, in the Four Quartets by T.S. Eliot where he talks about the unremembered gate. And it's an intimation, that gateway is an intimation, a rumour that we, if we don't pay really fierce attention to it, we just keep walking past it because it's hidden in plain sight, it's right in the middle of our lives. No more can I pass the gap that gates the path unnoticed. 
stepping through toward mossy trees and fishes glimmer. Fishes glimmer is a a homage and an allusion to Yeats's song of wandering Angus. Um, I went out into the hazelwood because a fire was in my head and cut and peeled a hazel wand and hooked a berry to a thread and when white moths were on the wing and moth-like stars were flickering out I dropped the berry in the stream and caught a little silver trout. That little fish's glimmer in the Yeats poem is, is everything. It's beauty, it's the wizard in the woods, it's the natural world, it's our natural self, it's, it's everything that we have already within us that we, that we ignore so often, the fish's glimmer. And in Yeats's poem, he, he puts it by the fire and turns to blow the fire aflame, so he pays attention to the... To the uh, gap that gates the path unnoticed and it becomes a glimmering girl and runs off in front of him in other words it's beauty it's 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 all those things that we yearn for novice i say novice to the green flame in the bud which is a homage to and an allusion to dylan thomas's the force that drives the green fuse that drives the flower drives my green age I was really fascinated by this idea of the green fuse that that nature is infused and and you see it most vividly in spring when the leaves first come on the trees and they have that absolute tender softness and limpid uh, lucidity and beauty the light shines through them and dapples the streams and the, the paths with green the green flame in the bud you know and even at this time of year in autumn and you look at the buds on the trees that are ready for next year you know there's a green flame in there so with yourself with myself when when the leaves fall from me when i had a breakdown there was a bud there with a green flame inside it and i needed to be novice to that Magic is the fierce acceptance of all that makes up this life's course, uttered bold in faith to the deep unsleeping witness of the dark. Magic then really is accepting the whole of your life, and I wrote that without doing it. And I think perhaps maybe now I'm more on the edge of doing it makes up this life's course uttered bold in faith to the deep unsleeping witness of the dark, and by that I mean when you go into the forest at night, it's a scary place. But also there's a forest inside us, which is equally scary. That unyielding and steady gaze that the forest gives to you lays bare the me I really am and not the me I would have you see. So not even that painting on the front of my second book, the me I wanted you all to see, but the me I really am, the, the, the frightened, anxious, hopeful, excited, enthusiastic, depressed, all of those parts of me, the me I really am. Finding the dragon's shadow dancing vast on my small room's wall. In other words, the small room is me, my little life. And sometimes that shadow is huge. But then I want to take it and, and say, 
this is because someone did this or someone did that to me or my father died or you know the shadow is something you pin on other people in order to expel it and stop it from affecting you it of course doesn't it does the opposite and as his scales form bright on my skin i breathe deeply from his secret fire when you own like i owned my anxiety it was like scales forming on my skin and i had to accept them i had to say yeah i'm i'm anxious i have generalized anxiety disorder i'm agoraphobic i feel that derealization and depersonalization that intense anxiety causes it was like it all came out on my skin and everybody could see it but i breathed deeply from his secret fire that is a direct uh, allusion to gandalf on the bridge of khazad doom he is confronted with the balrog the dragon the fire breathing shadow and flame his shadow he is a, a mire in the mythology of Lord of the Rings. It's a kind of demiurge. And Sauron, the evil one, takes some of the mire and corrupts them into Balrogs. So he's looking at his, his alter ego. He's looking at his dark side. I am a servant of the secret fire you cannot pass. I am a servant of the secret fire, wielder of the flame of Arnor. And he breaks the bridge that he is standing on, which is what I did. And it plunges him down with the Balrog, down and down and down he fell, he says, into the abyss. And he fell with me. And they fall into the water and this flame is put out and he becomes a thing of slime. But he grips onto Gandalf and they, they struggle in the underworld. And then they gradually emerge right up the mountain to the very top of the mountain. And the Balrog bursts into flame again. And then I smote my enemy. And great was his ruin on the side of the mountain. And then I drifted out of time and space. And was returned for a short while to this world. And I, 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 there is some of that that I feel is very accurate. I'm not sure about the complete casting down of your shadow. I think it's the integration of the shadow that we're, we're encouraged towards. But we breathe deeply. When, when we look at all of ourselves, we breathe deeply of a secret fire that is the soul. An old skin sheds no longer needed, a way of good belonging now outdated. Some of the things that I was doing, the being on the team, the sitting on the board, were fine. But I'd grown out of them, and I was very uh, reluctant to admit that because then it revealed the space that incubates a way of good belonging now outdated letting go its grip I find my orbit around a greater force no more am I a hub for hubris to build its castle on no longer a beggar for attention but an owl-eyed hunter for the untamed space that was more a wish than an actuality it's still a wish no more am I a hub for hubris to build its castle on. That's such a temptation. Maybe for, for people like me more than other people, I don't know. But 
but I think we all would like the world to revolve around us in some way. And when you shed the skin of, of ways no longer needed, it becomes easier for you to find an orbit around a greater force. For me, I think it is the writing of poetry. It is the living in the green valley that I live in. The, the becoming more grounded, more, more rooted um, in, in, in the mystery of all that. Um, and trying to orbit around that pull and call of, of poetry and some of the guiding that I do with spiritual direction still that I've come back to more realistically. Um, and photography um taking photographs there are times when that becomes a real thing for me to um to 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 find my orbit round rather than than it orbit round my uh projection of a persona no longer a beggar for attention but an owl-eyed hunter for the untamed space the untamed space the ring you place upon my finger, I don't wear it much now because it, it felt um, like hubris. But I have it. Sometimes put it on if I'm going to write. Um, but it does represent something powerful to me, a vow to serve the magic in which I gladly I now arrive, like in the Goethe poem. Uh, I should have heard that more clearly. I should have heard it now arriving in magic flying and finally insane for the light you are the butterfly and you are gone he's talking about the um, the 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 um temporal nature of our existence the 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 short nature of our existence you are the butterfly and you are gone and as long as you haven't experienced this to die and so to grow and that's what happened to me you are only a troubled guest on the dark earth to die and so to grow um Knowing too, I say, after I say about the magic in which gladly I now arrive, knowing too it was always there, waiting quietly in the trees beyond, with the wizard that is the forest, and inside the shadow I now own. That's the job, is constantly trying to own the shadow, with the magic grace to me on loan. These archetypal forces, like the queen or the lover, um, the archetype of initiation the archetype of marriage the archetype of the holy fool the archetype of, of the hero um, so many archetypal layered forces in our deep unconscious um, they grace a certain magic to us on loan they're they are there to be served. We are there to serve those energies, to incarnate them in the world a little bit, um, to make the world a richer, more magical place, to serve other people around us. They are certainly not there for our own aggrandizement. And, and like in the old Greek myths, those who come too close to the gods usually end up getting killed. Um, or, or having their lives completely 
uh, uh, mangled. So I think, and when I think of Gandalf now, Gandalf didn't know what was happening half the time. He took huge risks with himself in order to serve the magic he, he hoped was flowing through him. Um, he trusted everyone around him that he perceived to be moving things in the right direction. Tolkien had this idea of the U-catastrophe, a catastrophe that is good, that led to a, 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 a righting of wrongs, to a, to a, a new age, the, the fourth age of Middle-earth. The whole War of the Ring, the taking of the ring, the destroying of the ring was a U-catastrophe. And he trusted that through the U-catastrophe would run this thread of, I suppose you'd call it salvation, of, of transformation that created the dawn of a new age, an age that he wouldn't stay in, that he would leave the shores of Middle-earth forever to allow the king to flourish. And that, I think, is a very realistic, beautiful view of the magician as an archetype. Those who serve the catastrophe, who see through like the events that we're living through at the moment to a deeper understanding that's gleaned often through contact with the natural world. And I think that the catastrophe we're going through at the moment, the coronavirus, is a bit like in Beowulf, Grendel's, it's Grendel. The coronavirus is Grendel. Pl climate change, the threat to the planet, is Grendel's mother. And when Beowulf has to deal with Grendel's mother, that is a, 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 a an encounter of a completely different order and requires much more from him than the original um, calling he felt to deal with Grendel and I think that will be true for us so we need these archetypal energies to help us be equal to what is going on around us at this moment in history but we need to recognise that we serve their energies and that they'll flow through us to help us make our world a more wholesome, more healthy, more well-connected place. We can't control them and make them do our bidding. We must serve them. Arriving in Magic Why do I always turn to the stone to try again for a king's sword? When wizards wait out in the wood, set to take me into their service. Again and again I am snatched by flattery to step up and lead. Be on the team. Sit on the board. Ignore the space that incubates. No more can I pass the gap that gates the path unnoticed. Stepping through toward mossy trees and fishes glimmer. Novice, novice, 
to the green flame in the bud. Magic is the fierce acceptance of all that makes up this life's course, uttered bold in faith to the deep, unsleeping witness of the dark. That unyielding and steady gaze lays bare the me I really am, not the me I would have you see. Finding the dragon's shadow dancing vast on my small room's wall and see how often I've pinned its tail on you. And as his scales form bright on my skin, I breathe deeply from his secret fire. An old skin sheds no longer needed, a way of good belonging now outdated. Letting go its grip, I find my orbit round a greater force. No more am I a hub for hubris to build its castle on, no longer a beggar for attention, but an owl-eyed hunter for the untamed space. The ring you place upon my finger is a vow to serve the magic in which gladly I now arrive. Knowing too it was always there, waiting quietly in the trees, beyond with the wizard that is the forest, and inside the shadow I now own, with the magic grace to me on loan. Thanks for listening to this not-so-mini-poem cast. I'm Adrian Scott, I am the Anxious Poet, and thanks for taking the time to be with me and listen to this, and I look forward to being with you again. Thanks, bye. Poetry, anxiety and vulnerability. This is the Anxious Poets Podcast.